This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And welcome back to episode of the Clear Jets podcast where it was Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Well, Michael, what a day. Um, obviously, if you're listening to this, you already know the news, but Zach Wilson benched in favor of Mike White. A lot to talk about on this podcast. I think we're just going to focus the entire time on this whole quarterback controversy, if that's what you want to call it. Um, I guess, Michael, let's just start with this. What was your initial reaction to the news? We'll go back and talk about some of the Zach Wilson stuff and um, some of the other thoughts we have on the whole situation. But when you first saw the news, were you surprised by it or were you kind of expecting Mike White to be named the starter after what Sala said on Monday? Well, I think to be completely honest, I was a little surprised just in the sense that you know, ultimately, this is only 20 games in for a number two pick that they selected last year. So I did think he was going to get the one last chance against the Bears at home with the short leash. Uh, because I think after the comments on Monday that Salah made, it was clear that something was changing, you know, that the confidence had dipped and that at the very least it would be a short leash going forward and they would welcome that. But I did just my hunch led me to think that he was going to get one more game. But at the same time, I definitely thought there was a strong chance it could happen just based on you know what I had seen from watching his film. The combination of that and just the severe change in Salah's comments from, you know, post game when he said, you know, he never considered making a change, you know, continued supporting Wilson just as he always has from that to Monday where, you know, he completely denied a chance to just defend him the same way he always has. You know, he said we're going to be open to a change. We're evaluating everything and all that. When, when he came out and said that, it did kind of lead me to believe they've got to be making a change because that is, that's a lot to throw him out there after basically um, completely passing up on a chance to support him publicly. So I did think there was a strong chance, but my hunch was that he was going to get one last shot to play against the bears on a short leash. But um, when it happened, I mean, my first reaction was, I was proud of Sala and it, it makes me optimistic about him going forward just for him to have the the guts, I guess, to make this move um, and, you know, maximize this window that the team has with the way they're playing defensively, with the opportunities that are open offensively that aren't being capitalized on um, and just looking at this roster, honestly, and figuring that this is the best thing to do to maintain this locker room, to give this team its best chance to win. Uh, as they try to push for the playoffs and maybe even make some noise with the talent that they have. So, um, yeah, at first I was very pleased with Salah, and it definitely made me confident that they have that they have the right coach going forward, and that's something to be really excited about. And then the press conference comes, and then you're just even more pleased with Salah, the way he handled the whole thing. It was 
very professional. It seemed like he had a very uh, he he had a clear plan in terms of you know where they're going, how they feel about what has transpired to this point, and you know what the vision is going forward for Wilson and the team. It really seemed organized and like I said, professional. It was mature the way that you know Salah presented everything. Uh, you know, just being able to attack it honestly and say you know we felt like we needed a change that he needs to take a step back that we think it's the best thing for him. And at the same time, you know, his career is not over and we still have, you know, big plans for him in the future that we still see him as the franchise. So it was a very well executed press conference from Salah. And, you know, just the, just the decision itself, like I said, I admire the guts to come out there and make that change because we've seen a lot of teams, you know, stick by their draft picks, try to justify them. But uh, this is a situation where the Jets really had to make a decision. Are we going to, you know, risk the fate of this team this year just for the sake of developing this player we had high hopes for? Or are we going to do what is probably the best move to win right now? And they did the latter. So uh, I'm, I'm very pleased with Salah more than anything. Yeah, I think today was a, was a big day uh, for the organization. And first and foremost, like you said, I think the thing you can walk out of today feeling great about if you're a Jets fan is they have the right guy in charge. And we've known that for a while now, but just even how Sala handled it and thinking about how Gase would have handled it or how Bowles or Rex, I can't really think of a head coach who, who would have handled it as well as Sala did um, today. And everything that he said in terms of, yeah, I mean, leaving the door open for Zach to even come back this season, it gives the Jets some options because if they play Mike White on Sunday and he doesn't play too well, they could bring Zach back the next week. But I, I think... I, I think it's going to be a few weeks, if at all, if we see Zach this season. Uh, we'll get into to our thoughts on Mike White um, a little bit later. But, yeah, let's go back uh, to Monday when he did come out with that initial, um, you know, d- declaration that the Jets are, are reviewing everything and that they're they're keeping all options on the table. Um, yeah, we did. We did have a bet between us, Michael. I will say I'll give you credit because I said, OK, I think it's going to I think they'll give Zach Wilson one more game. And you were saying, I was like, gun to your head, who's starting on Sunday? You said Mike White. And I was yeah. like, all right, loser's uploading this podcast. So I'm uploading this podcast. Um, That's actually I think, how I got the news broken. I I saw a notification from you and you said, I guess I'm uploading this podcast. And it's like, <laughs> they actually did it. And like, it's a surprise reaction. Because, you know, like I said, like or like you just said, you know, that was my prediction. I did think that's kind of what the evidence pointed to. But sometimes there are, you know, these instances where even if, kind of the logic is pointing me in one direction kind of my you know hunch points me in another where it's just like well this is this just kind of doesn't feel like they'll make that change this quick but you know just for me it was the it was a film more than anything anything yeah. because like when i watched it, I was like man they're gonna see this and that is gonna be uh, watch it i can't imagine what it was like in that film room so that's that's what <laughs> kind of, uh yeah that's what kind of pointed me in that direction yeah, I mean, I think on Monday, I definitely felt like obviously that was the right move because, you know, the whole the whole situation with Zach and I do want to touch on that a little bit. Um, we'll give it a few minutes, though. The whole saying no to Connor Hughes and then that just snowballed into this guy's never had to take accountability his entire life. And he's a terrible leader. And the, the whole rhetoric about Zach will this week. Um, and look, you know, people are kind of forgetting that. Last week, he went to war with with the New York media a little bit. And if if you punch the New York media, you're never going to win that fight. And he said, nobody outside of this building knows what they're talking about. And then if sure enough, when he's playing like shit on Sunday, all those tweets and the beat writers, well, I'm not in the building, but he certainly is not playing too well. Um, 
you know, it, it didn't, it wasn't a good look for him. It certainly got the, the broader NFL attention. You even had a, uh, what Jordan Lewis from the, the Cowboys quote tweeting your, your tweets on Zach Wilson and yeah. sauce Gardner quote unquote, accidentally liking the tweet. Um, oh my God. That was so crazy. I mean, I felt so weird. Like I'm just sitting here at my desk posting some clips. Like I just want to, you know, talk some football, some jets fans. Then here I go, being you know kind of the source of this huge controversy <laughs> you know like somewhere you know there's this domino effect here where you know i post a little video then jordan lewis quote tweets it and then sauce gardner likes that tweet so and somewhere out there sauce gardner got a talking to from somewhere in the organization all starting with me posting that so i, I think i think maybe possible yeah maybe maybe his mentions uh i mean he said he accidentally liked it john franklin myers also came out and said he accidentally liked that tweet um i think yeah i mean it, it certainly it, the evidence is that it probably rubbed his teammates the wrong way i think the way i felt about the whole connor hughes thing let's let's start there let's just go chronologically how did you feel about the whole uh his response to Connor Hughes we kind of touched on it a little bit in the post-game podcast but you and I I was just kind of like I don't really care about this and it's still kind of how I feel but then after we did the podcast obviously that kept snowballing so how did you feel about the comments and then how the the media kind of kind of ran with it yeah well look first of all and I've said this before I'm not a huge read into the press conference quotes kind of guy whether it's post-game whether it's a practice whatever I don't like reading into it too much because you know, I, I think I just view the game a little more practically, like what happens on the field. That's what I'm looking at. I don't care about the politics of the press conference quotes and things like that. But when it does come into play is when it starts to, you know, have a real effect on that on-field performance. And in the days following that quote, it did start to kind of have that in the sense that, you know, you saw players, you know, liking anti-Zach Wilson tweets, which they claim is accidental, but I've I've never accidentally liked a tweet. I mean, that's something that feels hard to do accidentally. So you have some of that. You have the national attention, like everyone's talking about it. Richard Sherman is calling you out. Rex Ryan's calling you out. Um, and then clearly it seems like it had permeated in the locker room a little bit. You know, I mentioned the tweets, but even today, like with some of the quotes that uh, some of the players were giving, you know, from CJ Mosley talking about, you know, he definitely needed to take some accountability and, you know, he talked to the locker room. It it does seem like that it really had an effect. So it did kind of, you know, initially I didn't think too much of it. I definitely thought it wasn't a good response, but, you know, having an act- actual effect, I didn't really think it would at first, but then it kind of just, uh, that was proven wrong in the next few days because it really did seem to rub a lot of people the wrong way. And that's when you start to have real issues. Um, but in terms of the question itself, you know, I think it's pretty clear. And you could see just as soon as, you know, the question begins to be asked that, you know, Zach sees slash hears who's asking in it, who's asking the question. And as soon as it starts being asked, he's like, all right, this is going to be something trying to get a response out of me. I'm going to deflect this. You could just see it in his body language as it starts to be asked. But then the question does get asked. And, you know, it's really not the worst question i feel like if he doesn't ask it someone else is going to ask some variation of that question um regardless of what media market you're in or what team you're on you're going to get some version of that question in this scenario so it really was an opportunity to just you know it was kind of a softball question it's not a difficult one it's not really designed to you know uh get that much of a headline response because it should have been simple to answer but i think he kind of let the emotions of the moment kind of 
lead him in the wrong direction there. But you could see there's definitely, uh, you know, some sort of animosity in terms of, you know, he was specifically asking, being the guy who asked that question. But uh, but definitely it's one that I think he would like to have back. But I think for me, what I, I started to think about, and like I said, I I really think the film more than anything is what led to this. But do you think that that specific answer and the um, the backlash from that contributed to this decision at all would it would he be starting this bears game if he had a perfect post game press conference i don't i don't really think it i don't really think it mattered too much i mean maybe i think what matters more and we kind of said is how the, the his teammates actually felt and there there were some rumblings and some reports that that, that he was that he rubbed people the wrong way uh, afterwards but i agree with the whole post game situation was so dumb because it's exactly look I, you know, I'm not Zach Wilson, so I'm not going to claim to know what he's actually feeling, but it, it seems pretty obvious he doesn't really uh, care for Connor Hughes that much. And it's the last question of a, of a 10 minute presser. And they they take that one snippet where he just goes it, it, to me. It just kind of seemed like, yeah, no, no. And then they ran with that as as Zach Wilson doesn't know how to take accountability. and He's he, not a good leader. And it's just uh, the whole situation to me was a little ridiculous. I, I understand. He should have definitely just said I played like shit. Um, and he should have just owned it like Josh Allen did. But the fact that he his answer to me wasn't, I don't know, indicative of, of him as as a leader. I mean, it's possible he's been a bad leader. I just don't feel like that one quote is, is enough evidence to say that for certain, like we've, we've seen on social media this week. I think there's a lot of people out there that have this narrative of Zach in their head as, as being an entitled rich kid. And sure, he looks like the, the bad guy in a Disney movie. And I think that that one quote gave him all the ammo they needed to run with that. Um but I just feel like it's not it's not like we haven't seen examples of, of Zach being a leader. You know, what about Zach Wilson's tour across America this summer, flying all his teammates out to, to Idaho for that passing camp or how he supported Elijah Moore after his trade request or, you know, him saying to the huddle in the fourth quarter against Pittsburgh, Let, let's go score an effing touchdown. I'm not saying that those are grand examples of, of, of leadership, but it's not like we haven't seen him lead this team or we haven't seen his, his teammates praise him as a player or as a person and i just felt like a lot of it uh, was unfair even you go listen to his interview directly after the game with with bob washusen and i feel like you you heard him take more accountability and you got a better sense of, of how he actually felt about the game but it was definitely a terrible look for zach and it makes sense why the media ran with it and it's also possible that that his teammates uh were rubbed the wrong way by it and in fact reading the reports maybe they were i just feel like some of the uh the narratives we've seen about him never having to take accountability in his in his entire life or the fact that he's he's a spoiled rich kid who, who doesn't know how to lead all those hot takes were just a bunch of bullshit this week and keep in mind this is a kid from draper utah who's had his entire personal life drugged through the mud and look nobody should feel sorry for him he's playing a, a child's game for a king's ransom but it's like the new york media has gone after his mom his ex-girlfriend his love interest so no wonder this guy doesn't like the media that much and you catch him at a bad time. He's pissed off after a bad game and he gives you a short answer. And now it's turned into this, this major think piece about him as a leader. I just feel like that's unfair. There are other conclusions you can make from that game and some of the other stories we've seen about how his teammates feel. But I feel like the whole press conference thing was overblown. And like you said, I'm much more interested to see how he actually played. And when you, when you go back and watch that film, it is pretty brutal. Uh, and the, the number one thing that I, I took away from it, because you know, we made all the jokes about the the wind excuse on on Monday's pod, and and you know the whole you know why is Mac Jones uh, still able to complete twenty two passes or whatever it was, and and still looking competent 
uh, in the same conditions. And it's it's clear, it's his mechanics. And they basically said as much that he has some physical things he has to work with. And it's true. He's throwing entirely with his arm. And the, the near pick to McCordy, I think, is the best example. If you watch it from the end zone view, and I know you tweeted it out, you could see when he releases the ball, just watch the goalpost flag. He releases it, and then the goalpost flag goes you know, flying up in the air. And so clearly that affects his pass. But if he's driving with his legs, if his, if his feet aren't pointed in a different direction and he's not throwing off his back foot and shorting that release, that ball's not going to get carried with the wind. So it comes down to his mechanics. And I agree. I mean, I, I was interested to see that the reports from Rappaport saying that some of the teammates have had, have had concerns with him for a while, that he's quote unquote had the yips um, since the spring and, and missing easy passes. And this is something we've seen from him since last year. Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like all the rhetoric about Zach Wilson this week, I feel was, was a little unfair and, and I'm glad that he he did the right thing and faced the music today. And, and I think his press conference today, you want to talk about Sala being the right man to, to lead the jets. I give Zach a lot of credit for, for how he handled today and taking accountability and, and speaking to the team. Um, yeah. I mean, none of us are in that locker room, so we don't know exactly how he acted, but you know, you can't brush aside the reports that he, he rubbed his teammates the wrong way. I think it, what rubbed his teammates the wrong way more so is how he played. Um, you could see the, the frustration and the body language. And Darren Olofsky did a did a good job of on, on ESPN showing that, that clip where it's like, not only is Garrett Wilson getting extremely animated, you have Mims getting mad, you have Dwayne Brown getting mad on the field. And it's clear these guys were frustrated because with better quarterback play, they beat New England twice and they're eight and two. Uh, and you can give Zach credit for, for the comeback in Pittsburgh. But outside of that, Michael, I mean, with Mike White at quarterback or Joe Flacco, what are they eight and two, seven and three? I mean, how many Zach Wilson won him that Pittsburgh game? You can give him that. But outside of that, I think he did a nice job in the, the Miami game. And I think he did a, a nice job in the Buffalo game. Um, but outside of that, they've, they've been winning in spite of him. And so the body language from his teammates was more telling to me. And I think it comes more down to it, to, to his play. Um, Cause it's also like, you know, I, I tweeted that this morning where it was like the same thing where I was just saying that the rhetoric on him was a little ridiculous to run with with him giving not wanting to give Connor Hughes a quote, which ironically, it, it snowballed into a way bigger story. If he had just said, I played like shit, I let my teammates down. Yes, I let the defense down, which he obviously should have done. But his short answer, which I, I took it as him not really wanting to give Connor Hughes a tweet or a quote, just snowballed into this this big storyline this national storyline that i maybe you're right maybe it did influence the decision a little bit i think there would have been pressure regardless even if he said i played like shit i think sala would have gone back and watched that film and been like look this is a playoff team this this franchise hasn't been to the playoffs since 2010 this organization hasn't had a lot of winning football and they're right on the cusp of playoff birth yes technically they're they're outside of it but the pats have a really tough schedule down the stretch um and the Jets have a relatively, I don't want to say easy schedule, but they have plenty of winnable games left to the point where it's like they should win the Bears game, they should win the Jags game, and they should win the Lions game. That's nine wins right there. And then you have the Vikings, the Seahawks, and the Dolphins. I think they should be able to get at least one of those games. That's 10. If they get two, that's 11. I don't expect them to, to beat the Bills, and they probably won't win all three of those games I just mentioned. Um, so I think they look at it and it's like, look, they have a chance to go to the playoffs, and they just need competent quarterback play. Um I do feel like, you know, what Sala was saying today in terms of giving him a reset and how this could be the best thing for his development is absolutely right. Um, I didn't think that they would they would bench him. I mean, even on the podcast, I was like, they, they won't make the switch. And then on Monday, I was like, oh, maybe they will. But I still kind of felt like they would give Wilson the Bears game because 
Wilson's been terrible, and I don't know if it, it would really matter what defense he was going up against, but he has faced, you know, plenty of bad defenses. He's five and two with two losses to the Pats. I was thinking, all right, at home against a bad Bears defense, they, they'll give him the start. And if he's not looking good, they'll pull him. Um, but when you hear solid talk about him, and then when you hear some of the reports about him having the yips and have his teammates have had some concerns about him, it's absolutely the right decision. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, we, we've been uh, maybe more. So myself is a Wilson defender, I guess, but there's no defending that game on Sunday, even the whole mechanics and the wind. It's just, he still hasn't shown that he can play well under pressure, that he can go through reads in the pocket, that he can play with, with the calmness that, that you'd want. And it was really clear in the, in this Pats game that, and we touched on this a little bit, how clearly the, the first Pats game, I thought that first half was great outside of the, the last, the interception on, on his last throw of the first half. And then he melted down. He turned the ball over twice in the second half and they lost that game. And it was really clear that the, the, the message to him going into this game was don't turn the ball over and we'll win. And you saw, he, he looked scared. He looked timid. He didn't want to trust his arm. And then at times where he did, you know, his mechanics were off and, and the balls were getting sailed with the wind. And yeah, it's a quarterback who, whose confidence is shot, especially losing that type of game and, and facing that type of backlash. I think you could give some credence to what you're saying in terms of how the post game may have affected the decision, because I think not that it really should matter, but because the narrative has been so anti-Zach this week, it's probably good to, to deactivate him, give him a chance to catch his breath uh, and give Mike White an opportunity. You know, I, I do feel you know, do we want to hop into some Mike White stuff here? I mean, we're going to talk about both at, at the same time, but yeah, I, I mean, we can. I mean, I kind of want to talk a little bit about you know what I saw from that Pats game. I mean, I, yeah, I yeah, know go, you start yeah. touch on it, but um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think that's the re- the reason that this is the right move is kind of because of how severe I think some of the mistakes were in this game because it really was getting to the point. And you mentioned some of the body language, like I, I mean, Garrett Wilson's been doing it all year. I think. It's probably something he'll always do. It just seems like part of his game. But uh, in addition to him, you know, you got Mims staring him down. You got all right. Mims has Mims has no place to complain. Not that, not that he is, and not that he is. He any dropped right. a he dropped a great pass in the first quarter. He, too, he, and it's like, he did. All right, you made your your share. He has no right. Your but, fair share of yeah. But even like Dwayne Brown, you know, playing his yeah. arms up in the air. But you know, regardless of the body language, it's just there's so many plays on the tape where, where it's like. These guys are running good routes and, you know, the offensive line is as banged up as it is. They're creating good pockets in situations where people are open. And it's like it's going to get to the point where these guys are going to lose faith and they're going to lose motivation if they keep having, you know, these these efforts just completely wasted. And, you know, you play well and you put three points on the board. and It's like, what are we doing this for? Like, it's kind of a slap in the face to allow that to continue to happen when you're trying to push for a playoff berth. So, um, so yeah, I think this game was the worst that I've seen him play in the league just because of how how many opportunities he was wasting because, you know, there have been games where he's put up bad stats similarly to this um, or, you know, the Jets have lost games and not scored a lot of points. But there has not been a game to this extent where there are just plays be made that are being wasted. I mean, so, so many open receivers where he's just, he's just gun shy and afraid to take the shots. And like you said, it's kind of, it's kind of like he's overcorrected to this point. You know, he's made some mistakes in his career uh, and coming off of those, it's like, he's lost the confidence to take shots. And now he's uh, conservative to the point where it's extremely damaging to the entire offense. And, you know, it's, it's good that he's kind of, 
you know, play a little bit safer in the wake of some of those turnover prone games that he's had, you know, specifically that last Patriots game. But now as a byproduct of that, he's missing easy throws that should be made and he's not pulling the trigger when he should. And it's just leading to a lot of good concepts, good routes and good protection just going to waste. And that that's yeah. what made this game so poor because there were it, plays to be made in big spots. And he continuously specifically in the second half, because I think yeah. first half was, it was okay. It wasn't great or anything, but he was super was, impressed. Wasn't like, yeah. Like I, I know I said, I was super impressed. <laughs> I'm not going to, not going to put out any tweets during games anymore because no one knows what they're talking about watching a game on broadcast for the first time. Um, but yeah, I mean, first half was, was all right. He didn't make any big mistakes. Didn't really do much that was he, he missed the one the one third down to more but i agree with you outside of that it, it looked like he yeah was other than that it was okay it was just, it was just there it was, he played football it happened but yeah. then you know he's <laughs> starting with the conklin should be interception at the end of the first half it was that's which, which could have been which could have been a huge gain yeah yeah which should have been a huge gain put him in field goal range starting with that you go into the second half that was the worst half that i've seen yeah. Definitely from him and maybe from any Jets quarterback recently. And it and it, it continues another theme from that first Patriots game where, you know, solid first half or whatever you want to call it. And then end of the first half, you make one big mistake and it just snowballs from that. And it's something that we've seen throughout his whole career to this point where one mistake kind of just flips the switch and he can't get back into that mode where he's confident. So uh, so, yeah, a lot of recurring mistakes throughout his career. The missed layups continue to be an issue. Something we were talking about from very early in his career, still sailing screens above guys' heads. Um, you know, the, the accuracy is a big thing in this game. It's all his work. Like you said, especially, you know, in a windy game like this, it's if you don't have the lower body drive to really, yep. you know, get that power behind the ball and you you just throw it with your arm, the air is going to get under it and it's going to carry it. So, uh, we definitely saw that in a few games and, you know, not every single game is going to be this windy, but you're playing in the Northeast. You're going to play a lot of games where it is windy like this and you got to be able to cut through it and you need that lower body torque and power to be able to do that. And we're not, we didn't see it in this game and it's, we haven't seen it throughout his career. Yeah. And, and you, you made a great point on, on the last pod talking about, you know, it's, it's kind of cliche and it's mentioned with a lot of quarterbacks, but that short term memory, he clearly doesn't have that. He's drastically affected by momentum. Sometimes for good, you know, look at that Tennessee Titans game. He gets going and he really feels himself and he trusts his arm. He trusts his eyes. And and you see that, that who you drafted at number two. But when things are going poorly, it just seems to snowball for him. And I think that's part of the reason you bench him now is because you just don't want things to keep snowballing. Because that was such a big game in New England to right that wrong, to go to first place in the AFC. And for him to play like he did, you're just worried about it. He goes in that bears game with those, with those fans. And as soon as he throws one bad pass, the boo birds come out and you just worry that you scar him even more than he has to be. And I've seen the narrative too, about like um, him, you know, this, this shows that he's lost the locker room. And I think there's, there's a correct way to read that. And there's a wrong way to read that. And maybe I shouldn't say wrong because none of us know, but I think some people are reading into that as like, in terms of him as a leader, you know, the, the locker room has lost faith in him as a leader. I don't think anybody can say that in the media, but you can say that if they stick with him and he keeps costing him games, he's going to lose the locker room as a player in terms of the defense is playing Super Bowl caliber level level. 
and the offense, like you said, did a great job on Sunday. I mean, I, there there were mistakes. The offensive line and the running game was not getting going. There were, there were some drops. I think there were things the floor could have done better. I think Kurt Warner did a great job. If anybody hasn't haven't seen it, should go watch his film review on on Zach's performance because he does point out some things that the floor could have done better. But how? What are you supposed to do when your quarterback can hit you know simple layups? Um, and so I think. Yeah, he, he may have he may have lost the locker room in terms of his of his play and the confidence that they have in him. And if they just had somewhat competent quarterback play, they win both those games. And that's the the, the most frustrating part. I did want to we were talking about this a little bit this morning, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this in terms of how the Jets have developed Zach and how that, you know, Zach deserves all the criticism here. But I also think and, and I raised this point and people didn't didn't really like it that. Look, like LaFleur is the guy who's who's in charge of his development, and LaFleur took blame for this today, that he hasn't done a good enough job. And I think he does deserve some blame, I guess, in terms of how they've developed Zach, because let's be honest, does he look much better than he did when he came in? No. In fact, his first game as a pro in terms of his game against Carolina, he looked as good as maybe we've seen him. I know he's had the, the Bucks game, and he's had the Titans game, and, and this year he's had the Bills game, and that Pittsburgh. You know, he's had good game well, but... The quarterback you saw week one, his first ever start compared to the quarterback you just saw, obviously much worse performance, but there's not really much growth there. How much do you think the whole, he has that game against the Panthers and then he has his first game against the Patriots and he, he shits the bed. You know, he, he misses a few passes. He throws some interceptions. They blow that game. And then the, the, the rhetoric for Zach turned into, he just has to play boring football. He has to do the simple stuff. You know, don't try to play outside the system of the offense. Don't turn the ball over. But how much of, of who Zach Wilson is as a quarterback or who Zach Wilson is as a young quarterback, how much of that is in his DNA that he's he's a gunslinger? He's a playmaker. This is who he was at BYU. He trusted his arm. Sometimes he threw some interceptions. I know he took care of the, the football uh, his last year at BYU, but he's a playmaker. And sometimes when playmakers come into the league, they have to eat some some bullets you know and and the coaching of play boring football don't turn the ball over play in the the within the system of the offense do you think that affected his, his growth at all you know when they put the, those training wheels on him do you think that made him more of a timid quarterback because go back and watch that panthers game and yeah he did he turned the ball over he, you know he had some missed throws but he played with with confidence he played with the moxie that we saw at byu and clearly the sunday he's lost all of that yeah, I mean, I, I think there's some credence to it because, you know, ultimately you didn't draft this player at all to be a safe quarterback. He was drafted for the explosive traits. I mean, he was an amazing deep passer, a tremendous athlete who could do stuff outside the pocket. And those are the things you wanted to see. And it does seem like it's kind of, you know, gradually, you know, you mentioned the Panthers game and compare that to where we are now. It feels like we gradually climbed down from that game to you know, being very far from the type of quarterback I think you thought you were getting. And, you know, I think it's a good idea. And, you know, you look at the way he finished that rookie season uh, when he had that improved second half, it wasn't because he was making a bunch of big plays. It was because he was more stable and uh, relatively safer with the ball. So I think, I think it was a good idea to kind of dial it back and try to simplify it, you know, allow him to you know, do the simple stuff right first before you build it up and try to expand things. So uh, so I think there's some credence to it. But at the same time, I think, you know, they tried their best to react to what was happening. And, you know, especially, right. you know, you compare pre-injury rookie year versus post-injury because you go into that pre-injury, uh, 
you know, through that, you know, road New England game where he got hurt. And up to that point, the whole story was uh, he's being too aggressive. He's holding the ball too long. He never checks it down. Uh, he's always attacking deep, you know, doing too much outside the pocket. So then he comes out of that and really starting with that Houston game, you could see it right away, you know, was getting the ball out quicker, was taking shorter throws. And, you know, it was, again, even at that point, it was maybe too extreme because that whole second half stretch, he really did not make any explosive plays whatsoever. He He's better overall, but very little in terms of deep passing, especially compared to, like you said, the Panthers game, the Titans game. Um, that was pretty much out the window. But overall, he did play better because I think he was safer with the ball. He was more stable, efficient. And that was something to build off of coming to this year. But now he's, you know, kind of in this funk where it's like when he tries to play aggressive, he's too reckless and doesn't have the confidence uh, to be able to make those plays. And then when he tries to play safe, he's being too gun shy. So he's really caught in this weird headspace right now where no no style is really working for him. And that's why I think benching him is the right move, because he just needs to, you know, clear his head and get back to space where he could just go out there and play reactive football to where he's able to be aggressive if he needs to be aggressive be safe if he needs to be safe because he you know you, you go back to his college tape were there flaws yes was his footwork perfect no we knew we needed to be worked on but he wasn't throwing screens over guys heads and he wasn't bypassing wide open post routes for touchdowns right, right now he's just all in his head and it's those simple mistakes that are leading him to be this incompetent and i think he just needs to clear his head a little bit yeah, it, I mean, it was the right move to say, look, you have to to walk before you can run. Um, and it, it's just that line for him. Like when, when he played the Bills and he goes up against a team who plays a lot of too high looks, who's, who's trying to take away the deep stuff and the explosives and was giving Zach the underneath stuff, that quick game passing was working. It's, it's funny to think that was literally a game ago and we were all talking about, look at all the growth that Zach Wilson's taken. But then when the Pats take away all that that quick game stuff, that that underneath the, those checkdowns, those quick game um, – he wasn't able to to adjust to then say, okay, I have to go and and try these one on ones. I have to go and and throw the ball downfield. Um, it's just walking that line for him. And yeah, he's clearly not ready. He's more of a project than I think anybody really thought he would be coming out of BYU. Um, and you know, maybe he's one of those guys who who should who should have sat, you know, in retrospect for for a little bit. But who he is right now compared to who he was as a rookie, I think just it, it isn't really much better and i think that's just you know all that really needs to be said and i hopefully this break does you know it allows him to mature a little bit off the field i'm not that you know like i said earlier that you can really draw many conclusions uh, about him as a leader but in terms of how he deals with the media how he handles losing um and then on the field you know uh, mechanically like we've been saying i mean the footwork stuff is not much better i don't know if they need to bring john beck back or if he needs to fire john beck and get a better quarterback coach because he had a whole offseason to work on this it's a lot of the same stuff that we were talking about and you really just saw it all devolve uh, in this pats game um i'm sure we're going to keep talking about zach wilson but i do want to throw some mike white in here um because you know is it is it the fan in me that's kind of excited to see Mike White on Sunday, sure, but I do think there there is real credence to say, look, when you go back and watch those Mike White games last year, and look, he wasn't perfect. He turned the ball over. That Bills game wasn't wasn't too great. But go back and watch even the 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 Pats game that that he re- had to replace Zach in was moving the football. Then you obviously that that Bengals game, and I think the things when you watch Mike White versus Zach Wilson, sure, is Mike White going to give you the same ceiling to this offense that Zach Wilson will? No, 
But is is Mike White probably more capable at this point from what we've seen, and we'll find out on Sunday, to to run the type of offense that they're trying to run, to play good defense and to control the football and to to move the chains and just get the ball in the hands of your playmakers and 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 don't make too many mistakes? Maybe. Because you go back and watch that Bengals game. What do you see from Mike White? You see a guy who's going through reads in the pocket, who's throwing under pressure, who does have those lower body mechanics, who's accurate with the football, you know, who played with poise. Uh, and was able to bounce back from some of those turnovers. So you saw a lot of stuff from Mike White that you haven't really seen from Zach Wilson. And that gives me some optimism. Um, and I think there really was a reason why they they bumped Mike White up to QB2 a few weeks ago instead of Joe Flacco. That I think also makes me a little bit more optimistic. The fact that, you know, look, we, we don't get to see these guys in practice after training camp. And some of the reports was, you know, Zach Wilson was still having the yips in practice, which doesn't surprise you if you, if you watch these games. Um but I think you can maybe read into the fact that, okay, if they bump Mike White up to QB2, and that's not like Flacco balled out when he was was the starter here, but he's still a respected veteran quarterback and the guy that you brought in thinking he would be the, the backup for this year. I think it maybe gives some credence to, hey, Mike White's looking pretty good in practice. He's moving the ball. He's he's getting to the right read, and he's, he's delivering it accurately. And, you know, if Zach were to go down, or if, in this case, benching him, that White might be the better option. He gives you a little bit more mobility than Flacco. He's younger, so you can you know, maybe develop him into something. Um, are you excited to see Mike White on Sunday or, or do you think that, are you not that optimistic in, into what he can, he can bring this offense? I mean, I think, I think I'm cautiously optimistic because of a lot of the reasons you mentioned, but you know, at the, at the same time, like I'll be honest, I've been a pretty big Mike White detractor, so I'm not going to completely hey, that, switch That's up. a good fan club to be in. That's Braxton Berrios. That's Quincy Williams. You've, you've had some guys that, you know, you didn't believe in that, that, that grew and I've had some guys that I That's believed true. in that have shit the bed, but <laughs> I think, you know, I think there's, you know, Mike white got another year in the system, got some NFL experience under his belt. You know, he might, he might look better. Yeah. We'll see what happens. And you know, it's, it's only three starts and four games under his belt. And I think, like you said, the fact that they, you know, randomly promoted him in the middle of the season is probably a really good sign of, of what he's probably showing in practice, especially because he's jumping over, the guy who was initially the backup and is a longtime accomplished veteran in Flacco. So, so there are some positive signs. And I think he's, he's definitely, like you said, a better fit for what this team is trying to do offensively and the best offensive approach that complements the way they're winning games, which is defensively. And, you know, you're definitely going to lose the upside that Wilson has. Like, does Mike White make that Steelers comeback? I don't think he does that, but does Mike White? Strebler does. Strebler does because uh, he he could do anything. He would, yeah, they, they should start right Mike now. White for three quarters and then bring Strebler in the fourth, like the preseason. Yeah, that would actually be a real. They should just go with a baseball mentality. You know, just Mike White's your starting pitcher and Strebler's your closer. I think that would exactly. Work. But yeah, uh, exactly. But yeah, I mean, I think you know Mike White. You lose some of that big time upside to make tight window throws, to make deep throws. So I don't know if he can do like a Steelers comeback, but would he be able to? He, he made helped. some tight window throws, man. That that Barrios touchdown against yeah, he, Cincinnati. He did make was... some. So he's not totally incapable, but you know, definitely not the bread and butter, I would say. Right. Um, but you know, does he keep the Jets stable enough in the last two Patriots games to win those? Absolutely. Can he do the same thing that Wilson did in that Buffalo game? I think he can do that. He's not making, you know, some of those arm angle screen passes and stuff, but you know, maybe he had some of the, you know, the out routes that Wilson missed in that game. Um, but overall, I think, you know, we could have executed that. But, you know, bottom line, he can get the ball out quick. He's very good at hitting the easy throws. He he really doesn't miss layups. I think that's one thing 
that's going to be an upgrade. You know, you look at his passing last year on screens, dump offs, all that stuff. He's not missing those throws. And and that's an asset. It really is because, you know, there are a lot of quarterbacks in the league like Zach Wilson who sometimes will miss those. And it can really throw your offense off schedule when a throw that, you know, you're supposed to hit 90% of the time or, or more when you're missing that occasionally. But Mike White really doesn't miss those. And I think that's going to be useful for an offense that, you know, likes to throw screen passes. Um, and they've had a lot of short throws open, you know, whether it's a hitch or an out, just these short five to 10 yard throws that should be there consistently that Zach Wilson hasn't been able to hit frequently enough. I think Mike White can make those. So you definitely lose the upside. Um, there's not a lot of, you know, he's not going to run with the ball. So you, you lose that too, but Hey, uh, he's, he's a little, I mean, he's, he's faster than Flacco and slower than Zach, but he's got some ability. I mean, he is, but you no, know, we definitely have to see it for those he's, boots. You know, he, he can do that. Yeah. I'm just saying more from like a scrambling perspective. Right. right. I don't think he did it once last year. So yeah. And he's not, he's not going to break the same amount of sacks that Zach is. He's definitely not going to do that, but he also does. I will say avoid sacks just by virtue of his getting the ball out quickly. Cause he really, and, was and his not, pocket movement, his pocket movement. Cause he really was not sacked that often last year. I think he took four sacks last year, which for the amount of time he played is really good. Um, so just being able to get the ball out quickly in the pocket movement, he'll avoid sacks in that way. Uh, so yeah, overall, I think he's a good compliment to what they want to do, which is just quick passing, safe football ahead of the chains. And he's capable of doing that. The big question is, the turnovers because you know we're saying all these things about how safe he is but he did throw eight interceptions <laughs> in basically three games some of those are tipped some of them were tipped and the bills um, game skews and the bill it, you know half of them were in the bills game great defense they're trailing you know it was only his third start and all that but those were some pretty bad picks in that game so uh and, and also a couple of them were in the patriots game and they were down by like 30 so he's probably forcing it a little bit uh so they're there are some justifications for those picks, but at the end of the day, eight interceptions is a lot in the short amount of times, the short amount of time that he played. So got to clean up the interceptions. If you're going to be a game manager, that's for sure. But, uh, but yeah, stylistically, I think he compliments what they want to do very well. I think he compliments the defense and he he's going to raise the floor. I think some of the easy stuff that Zach has been capitalizing on is going to be capitalized on more frequently. Uh, it's just about limiting those turnovers and, you know, can they consistently win games with a cap on the ceiling at quarterback playing the way they've played defense recently? They will be able to do that. You know, if as long as white can limit the turnovers, but we'll see what happens. Cause they do have some big time offenses coming up on the schedule. So will they consistently be able to win with, you know, 17 to 20 points per game that would have been enough against the Pats the last two times, but will it be enough against the Vikings, the bills, the dolphins, even the Seahawks that we'll see. But overall, I think there's, uh, there's a lot to like in terms of the fit, but at the same time, it is a guy who was, you know, entered the season as your third string quarterback and was essentially outplayed by Chris Traveler in the preseason. Let's <laughs> not forget that. So, good point. I mean, we all wanted Traveler as the QB3 over him, but, you know, then on the flip side to that, you have what we just mentioned about the practice in season. You know, there's definitely something to be said for uh, him being promoted in the middle of the year. Definitely means he was showing something for them to. Right. to do that it doesn't happen randomly it was earned somehow so uh so there is that uh, so, so there's a lot going in both directions this is not guaranteed to be a an enormous upgrade he could be just as bad but i do think the the floor is higher that's the way i would look at it yeah it's not this simple but 
generally speaking, when you face a defense that runs a lot of zone, I think it puts more pressure on the quarterback. And then when you face a defense that plays a lot of man, it puts more pressure on you, on your receivers. Um, and I, or, you know, even a team that just plays underneath. And I think his first two players, not really. Yeah. His first two starts against the Bengals and the Colts. And by the way, he was balling out in that Colts game before he gets injured. Who's the, uh, who's the bears head coach, Matt Eberflus, who was the defense coordinator for the Colts last year, Matt Eberflus. So right. he gets a little rematch with the, with the team that he was playing well against. Um, I think you saw him play really well against those, those two zone defenses who play a lot of too high. And then when he played that, that those bills teams who also play a lot of zone, but they play a little different style and they try to take away that, that underneath look um, those underneath looks from Mike white and, you know, look at who he's playing with um, in that bills game. It's not like, you know, he wasn't playing with Darnold's weapons. He still had some guys out there, but uh, I think, you know, an improved team around him and a better defense. And like I said, another year in the system and some NFL experience, I expect to see some growth from Mike White, even though he's, what is he, 27? Is he 27? So, you know, I expect to see a a better looking Mike White. But like you said, I mean, the ceiling of the offense isn't as high, but the floor is certainly much higher. I do have faith in Mike White to be able to to move the ball. And also, if the Jets are able to pass at all, you know, and able to move the football through the air, I think that opens up the run game because that was the big thing against New England is they were just loading the box, bringing their safeties down. They were saying, this guy can't throw past 15 yards today. Let's just take away all the underneath, all the quick stuff that he's doing. Against they were Buffalo. spying on him too in the second yeah. half. They were spying on him. And then you even saw looks where they were bringing the safeties deep into the box where it's like, there are plenty of deep opportunities over the top of those safeties, but he didn't either, either he wasn't seeing him or he didn't have the confidence in his arm um, in the wind to hit him. And I think with Mike White, you know, that really is the big thing that that stood out to me was just him going through his reads and pocket and not looking like he had happy feet. I mean, he didn't he he didn't have the same level of panic in his in his body language in in either of those Bengals or Colts games because it's not like he didn't face pressure in those games. It was just he handled the pressure much differently than Zach. He didn't take his eyes off downfield and and try to evade defenders and and run around behind the line of scrimmage. He was stepping up into the pocket. Uh, and, and trying to hit the open man on every play and just trying to take what the defense gives you. I think that that's what Mike, Di- Mike White does well, at least in the limited action we saw from him last year, is he did a nice job of just taking what the defense gave him. And I think you're facing a bad Bears team, um, a bad Bears defense especially, and I'm pretty optimistic in how he's going to play this Sunday. I mean, I know I know I'm the optimist on this podcast, but I feel pretty confident on, on – how are you feeling in terms of your confidence level in Mike? I know you said cautiously optimistic, but – I don't get maybe, maybe maybe some predictions here. I mean, in terms of, of what you're expecting, uh, in terms of a stat line from Mike. Yeah, we, I mean, how, we can do predictions. How much do you think they'll let him air it out? I think he's going to play good in this game. I agree with you. I've, I think this is going to be a game, a really good feel, good game. I think they'll get a nice lopsided win. And, you know, they're going to put up some yardage offensively. And that's mostly just because of the matchup, you know, this is a bad Bears defense. Uh, they've been allowing a lot of big numbers recently. So I think there's a good shot that they could put up. I mean, you know, you look at a couple of weeks ago, they played a uh, similar kind of, you know, dink and dunk game manager quarterback and Jared Goff. And he went on the road into Chicago and they put up 31 points. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's and one of those was a pick six, but you know, it was still still a good offensive game from Detroit. Um, and, you know, the Dolphins, again, different kind of team, but, you know, similar scheme and everything. Uh, they were able to get 35 on them. The Cowboys put 49 on them recently. So you know, I think the uh, even Atlanta last week had 27 on them. So this is not a good defense. I think Mike White's going to be able to 
be able to play his game against this Bears defense. I think they'll have a good run pass balance. They'll be able to run the ball better against this Bears team. And, and like you said, I think having more of a pass threat, even if it's just anything, will be able to open up some room on the ground uh, and be able to make that more respectable because you know, the run game was bad less in the two New England games. And it is definitely partially because of bad blocking. The running backs weren't great. They weren't breaking tackles, but it doesn't help when the quarterback is, you know, when the defense is so unafraid of the quarterback that all the defenders are able to, you know, play with a run first mentality and not worry about getting punished for doing that because, because Zach Wilson was not punishing them for doing that. And there were so many instances where uh, like the middle safety where the Patriots basically didn't even have a safety in the deep yeah, middle. Like they, they just, yeah. They would just be squatting, playing the middle of the field and he wouldn't take the post to Garrett Wilson, wouldn't take the post to Denzel Mims. So the quarterback is not going to punish you for, you know, playing aggressive and cheating up. You're just going to do that all game and stop the run and you're going to be successful. But I think Mike White is going to demand more respect, not in the sense that he's going to challenge them deep because I don't think he's going to do that much, but you know, he's going to get the ball out quick and he's going to make you think that you know, he's going to make you respect the possibility of those uh, quick passes to the outside. So that should help to run game. Um, so, yeah, I do think I think I'll have a good game. Let's say he has two touchdowns, 250 yards, 65 percent completions, something okay. like that. I think no it'll be a nice, nice, solid performance. Let's give him one pick. Let's give him one. One pick, one little yeah. gimme. You know, you know who's most excited about Mike White starting? Elijah Moore. Wilson, okay. Elijah Moore. Okay. Who, by the way, I saw I saw you moved him into your starting lineup in the JetX Fantasy League. Was that yes, was that I by did. coincidence? No, you you did that today. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you. I think he's a, you know, being the slot receiver now will be a good compliment because the receiver White, White threw to the most last year was Crowder, um, and then another guy in addition to that, Michael Carter. I think could see a little bit of a rejuvenation because I mean, he's basically receiver number one in the Mike white games last year. You could, um, I actually put out a little chart of this, uh, but white's distribution of his passes last year. And Carter had the most receptions from right from white, uh, with 20 and the most Ooh. receiving yards from white with 196. And this is, you know, what did white essentially play three games, you know, three quarters against the Pats, two full games, the Bengals and bills, one against the Colts. So basically three games and Carter 20 catches for 196 yards. So those are, uh, you know, leading receiver type of numbers. So uh, I think that'll be good for Carter because that's really where I think he's the most elusive on those dump off passes on the get outside open, the open field, get him yeah. in space. Uh, so I think the Mike Michael Carter train is going to start picking up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I there's, there's a lot to be optimistic about, but I, I think that, uh, I think Elijah Moore might be in, in store for his breakout, uh, like you said. Do you think, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the quarterbacks and we'll get out of here, but Solid did say, you know, it's not just the quarterback looking at everything on offense, reviewing everything, and he maybe alluded to making some other changes. Is there anything else in the offense outside of the quarterback that you think might look differently on Sunday in terms of how they're calling it or personnel? Um, I mean, well, one big thing that we should mention, Corey Davis is going to be back. Yes. He's practicing in full. That's going to be so enormous. I mean, listen, Denzel Mims did not take advantage of his opportunity. Let's be honest. He had the I big mean, third and five against Buffalo. That was about it. You know, he, he made a couple of big plays like that one. And I guess the adjustment was pretty good against the Patriots bomb. Although 
really the only reason that kind of worked is because he got blanketed so much that there was, you know, the defender couldn't get back to it because it was so underthrown. So it was just kind of <laughs> lucky more than anything. It worked out. Uh, give him some credit, but I mean, you know, the, you know, multiple drops. Uh, his blocking was a weakness in this Patriots game. He allowed, by my count, at least three stuffed runs at the line of scrimmage. Um, he's when his box hit, they're good because, you know, he's so big and long, but he's not nearly as consistent as Corey Davis. They've missed him in the run game and he's going to be a big boost to that rushing attack to have him back. You look at the difference in their yards per carry when he played, when he's on the field versus when he's not. And it's over a full yard difference. They're about 5.2 when he's on and about, uh, about 3.9 when he's off. So it's huge difference. I mean, usually you don't rely on receiver like that, but, He's been that good. Uh, and then, obviously, in the passing game, Corey Davis is catching that pass over the middle that Mims dropped. Um, well, I think he, yeah, he, Corey has dropped a few of his own, but yeah, I agree. I mean, this year he's been more on point. Outside of that one, that one against Baltimore. He did. You know, he started off with that. And then since then, it's been all cleaned up. And he's been, you know, anytime you target him, it feels like it's a first down or a touchdown. So he's been reliable. He's not dropping some of those passes that Mims had and probably not having those penalties either. So uh, Corey Davis will be welcome back. But in terms of other changes, I mean, is there anything that comes to mind for you? Because I mean, I mean, the only thing that uh, other than Mims, you know, Davis returning, only other thing I noticed is Dan Feeney versus Nate Herbig. That was a downgrade and getting Herbig back (laughs) will definitely help. Yeah. It sounds like they should have Herbig back. I was wondering, you know, do you think they'll go more 11 personnel and less 12 personnel? We talk about the success Mike White had with the, the slot receiver, and then also their their run pass splits. Do you think that they come into this game trying to to run the ball a lot, or do you think they, you know, let not that Mike White's going to be bombing it deep every play, but do you think they let him air it out a little bit more? I, I mean, how do you think they they call? Remember this that play? Bengals game though? Like they came out on that first drive, didn't they pass it, it every single play in that drive? Yeah, they came with a lot of play action. Everything. Yeah, a lot so, of play action, which I'd anticipate with with Mike White. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely a signal of confidence, or or maybe they just wanted to surprise the Bengals with that. But uh, but I, th- I think they have faith in him. I mean, he aired it out in his games last year through a lot of passes. So um, I, I think he's going to come out and throw. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I, I think your stat line prediction was was pretty on the money. I think he'll lead a few touchdown drives, and I agree. I think this is going to be a, a fairly lopsided win for the Jets. Um, I mean, it, the Bears do have Justin Fields, who probably bad time to remind everybody because I've capped so hard for, for Zach Wilson, but we, we we were on Team Fields for a little bit there. And then then it turned pretty obvious that they were going Zach. But I think uh we we've capped too hard for Zach to to even to go back to that. And also I think with the whole Fields versus Wilson rhetoric, Fields is obviously playing at a much higher level, but I think that Wilson was was the guy they were gonna take all along. When you just look at what they were looking for and what who Justin Fields was as a prospect and who Zach Wilson was as a prospect and the system they are installing. Yeah. Everybody's going to have the revisionist history. And we say this as, as both of us were, were team fields. Um, fields was not on the table for them. Maybe they could have gone with Lance, but they would have had to completely redo their offense for a guy like Justin Fields. So if Zach Wilson doesn't pan out, which not looking great at the moment, there will always be that, assuming Justin Fields keeps ascending like he, he has been the last few weeks, there will always be, oh, they should have taken Justin Fields. But if you go back to, to two years ago, didn't really ever seem like he was on the table, which maybe maybe they should have been more open to, to that. 
but it did seem like Wilson kind of checked all the boxes that they were looking for. And in terms of like, you know, they even said that they would might have considered Wilson if they had the number one pick, which maybe was just lip service. But I don't know. It's all it's always. And then, then you go back to 2020 and you think about those, those two wins at the end of the year. And maybe they would have ended up with Trevor Lawrence, who it's not like he's necessarily balling out, but he's not on the bench right now. So I don't know. Uh, I mean, topics. fields like we like fields like I was very, you know, I kind of went back and forth a lot between those two guys. But it definitely, from a fit perspective, was always Wilson. And right. like, it never seemed like they are going to go with Fields because it just didn't seem like the best scheme fit. And it, as you said, you know, there, you can put some criticism on the Jets for maybe not being more open to, you know, altering things for Fields. But at the same time, there has to be a balance there. Like, you should do some altering to fit talent. But, you know, I don't think anyone could argue that Fields was – an inarguably better prospect than Wilson. It was it was at best a toss up. So when it's that close, you want to go with the guy who just fits you better. You know, it right. would be different it, if it, yeah, like it would be different if there was some superstar prospect that you're passing up on just because of scheme fit. But when it's close, you know, you want to lean towards what's more seamless. Right, and it's also like Fields is is playing well, but a lot of his production is coming on the ground, which is great. But he already has an injured shoulder with some some torn joints. So we'll see if he even return ligaments in a, a sprained AC joint, I believe. We'll see if he plays Sunday. Um, I think the Jets have, have played fairly well against mobile quarterbacks this year. I know that they uh, the, the 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 scramblers have got him at times. Like I know Mac Jones ran for some yards against them, but I feel like they did a great job against Lamar Jackson week one, uh, containing his his rush. Do they do they still have the uh, the record for holding Lamar to the the lowest rushing yards in his career? I'd have to check. Do you know that? I mean, um, you know when when that happened though, it was a great sign. Like, I know they struggled in the Browns game after that, but uh, like you remember that right uh, when that Ravens game happened, we were like this defense is pretty legit, and it took some games for that to kind of uh, you know manifest itself. But when they held Jackson to that you know low rushing total and just that whole Ravens offense to you know their limited performance on the ground, when we were so afraid of that, it was like this is this could be something, and it's really turned out to be. But you're right, they've they've limited the you know quarterback running pretty good really all they've given up is you know like you said some of those mac jones scrambles but i feel like that's just a byproduct of you know it's going to happen sometimes because it's it's almost like it's such a non-threat to where you don't account for it so it becomes so easy for them to do it so you just have to live right. with it sometimes uh but that was obviously great against jackson yeah and and they played well against josh allen too i mean i know they right. gave that that one that one big touchdown but Although we'll probably I, mean, be another... I, I guess, you know, his they did kind of struggle with him on the ground. You know, he had the two yeah. touchdowns, I guess. I guess. So. I guess I'm thinking more about the, the interceptions. I guess the thing is, is when you have the the type of cornerbacks that the Jets have, and then when you look at the Bears receiver room, the Jets really don't have to respect the talent that the Bears have in their receiver room, and they can go man coverage. And you talk about what the, what the Patriots are doing last week. I don't think the Jets are going to get that brazen with their coverage, but they can really load the box and try to stop this run. Uh, against fields i'm really curious to see if he plays if he doesn't they'll face trevor simeon and i'm even more confident in a win but fields is maybe the x factor in terms of his mobility but probably another big uh, jermaine johnson game you know i'd imagine we'll see do we do we want to talk a little bit about the defense at all are we just focusing on the qbs in this one i don't know how we i think let's focus on the quarterbacks this is this is a pretty huge moment here i I mean i guess that's true top two i've just got benched (laughs) yeah that's true i have one i have one big question for you do you think we see Zach again this season? They've left the door open. I'm, In fact, they I'm, said that that's their hope to see him again this year. 
I'm I'm going to say I'm, I'm gonna say yes, just in the sense that I'm not entirely confident that White is gonna do well enough to hold on to it. But I don't think I don't think him coming back is you know, despite the quote you just mentioned, I don't think it's something that they're aiming to do. I think it'll happen when they lose a game and White plays poorly. Or, you know, he's a stretch of poor play. I think it's his his job until he loses it. Do you think they give any thought to let's say let's say Mike White goes out there on Sunday, he doesn't play too well, but they still win. Like they win an uglier game and you're like, oh, it didn't look too good. Do you think they'd go back to Wilson immediately or do you think they go to Flacco or Hell's Traveler? That's another interesting part of it because yeah, it's like because when you make him inactive, that definitely sends the message that you know this is a break. It's not just all right, right now we want someone who's better, but you know, we still want you as the backup because we think, you know, you know, you could help us better as a backup than Flacco, but they're not doing that. They're making him inactive. So it's clearly, you know, they want him to take a step back and just clear his head. So that seems, you know, pretty established, which isn't to say the whole season, but one week would definitely be, you, you're not getting the effects of that. Probably not enough. Week. Yeah. So I would say it's got to be a few games minimum. Yeah, and Flacco's still taking over. I'd say, right? Yeah, I think the Lions game is probably the one you circle in terms of the earliest. I would see Zach coming back. I mean, I think I think Mike White probably plays well on Sunday, and I think they win. The Vikings game will be very interesting. I say they. I say he probably also plays all right in that game. I don't know if they win or lose, but I think he probably plays fine in that game. And then I think he probably doesn't play that well against Buffalo. Who knows? Just, just you know prediction right now without seeing him play at all this year uh and then after that buffalo game you could maybe go back to wilson because then he's got two home games against the lions and jags and what do they got seahawks and dolphins to finish it up so kind of four i mean seahawks and dolphins aren't necessarily gimme games at all but i don't know get him past the buffalo games and then you have four games left but yeah if mike white's playing well they're not they're not putting him back yeah, on the bench it's just an odd situation because it's like what is wilson going to show you in this time that makes you think, okay, now he's ready because it's just a few weeks during the season. He's not going to completely overhaul his mechanics or, you know, come out and show you like, all right, now I'm ready mentally. Isn't it kind of hard to really evaluate that? It just feels like the only way you make that change is, you know, if it's dictated by Mike White's play, like he's not playing well. Now we might as well go back to him, you know, like, how do you evaluate Wilson at this point in terms of his readiness to get back out there? I think it depends how severe these yips are, you know, in terms of remember he had the stretch and training camp and they yeah, had to practice and he's not actually worried about getting sacked. So maybe that changes things, but he had those, what was it? Two weeks, two and a half weeks where he was playing consistently good football in training camp. I know it's training camp and then he gets injured and then he comes back. But the way solid talked about him again, lip service. And again, Rappaport had those, that report about um, how some receivers have, have expressed that he's had the yips since the spring and just missing easy throws. But if they had felt when he came into camp, his mechanics were looking better and he really, you know, was hitting the ground running and then got injured and came back, had some good games. And then it really started to deteriorate in the middle of the season. I think give him a few weeks. If his mindset is right and his mental is right, the way he's preparing these next few weeks and, and how he's looking in practice, throwing the ball. And, and like you said, yeah, is he going to be able to, be a completely different quarterback? No, but I think there's a chance that 
mechanically and from a mindset perspective that that you can have some confidence that he can go out there and and look better after this little break but, but yeah i mean i think i think what they did is they kind of just left the door open in terms of you know if they say if they really were you know were benching him and they didn't say any of the our plan is to have him play the season it would be kind of hard to throw him back out there but by saying you know we wanted to play again this year it's like, well, but if Mike White's playing well, nobody's going to object to you keeping Wilson on the bench. Mike White isn't playing well, and you throw Wilson back out there. It's not necessarily like an admission of a failure or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I think they right. kind of just left the door open. It was kind of it was the exact right way to play it, which is why I'm I'm so impressed with Salah and just how he handled the whole thing. I really, I mean, I imagine most people probably listen to that press conference, but if you haven't, just go check it out if you want to know what a, a real head coach looks like. I can't even imagine how. How do you think? Give me your best Gase impression. How would how would Gase have handled this? If this um, were if this were Darnold, uh, number five will be starting for us at quarterback this week. Uh, number two will be uh, taking uh, third string reps. Um, number nineteen will be a uh, quarterback number two. Yeah, but Adam, you know, you took this guy number two overall last year. What does that say about uh, the, you, the state you, of your organization? You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Just stop. The guys in this building, they have belief in each other. Um, we work hard. <laughs> we know what we're doing pretty good gaze impression i don't know if it's as good as my chris chris johnson impression from from a few years ago but that case i was, more, was, I was more focusing on the on the cadence than the voice I yeah wasn't, i wasn't gonna go that far. yeah i think i think you nailed it we were talking about you got you got some voices mike maybe we should hear them on the podcast more often but no i think i think that case impression probably did it justice but yeah i mean today was a big day for the organization and what should be maybe um a bad day or a day of I don't know, failure, I guess. <laughs> doesn't really feel like that. I feel optimistic on how White will play, and I feel like there is a way back for Zach from this. But yeah, I mean, it's a long road. You know, we've we've been very optimistic about what Zach can become, but the reality is, is he he hasn't been close to that. He hasn't taken the leap that we thought he would take. He hasn't been the prospect that we thought he would be. He's more raw and more of a project than we thought he'd be, and he, he hasn't played well. And he's he has been holding him back. So... I think the optimism for me stems from some of what we saw from Mike White last year and just sense of like, hey, even if they're getting C-level quarterback play, it's an upgrade over what they're getting. So I think, you know, Jets fans is, I don't even want to say depressing, as much of a bummer as today may have seemed. They're six of four right on the outside of the playoff hunt. We'll see what happens with, with New England, I guess, by the time this comes out tonight, I guess. Um, but if, if New England win, loses, they're back in the, the seventh seed, right? Or yeah, do they still have yeah. the, yeah, because yeah, be momentarily because you know the Patriots have the extra loss. Yeah, not that not that the standings right now really even matter. I mean, the Jets have seven games in front of them, and if they win, how, how many do they have to win for you to say that they'll probably save for playoffs? What like four? That's ten wins. I think ten wins does it. Or I think eleven, 11 has, is complete safety, right? A ten could do it, but. For me with to two, say with the two tiebreakers against the Bengals and Pats, it's tough. Yeah, and the Chargers also sitting on the outside. It's really going to hurt those two tiebreakers. So I think you know, ten wins. You're talking about your, you know, the Bills are going to get their eleven plus. The Dolphins are probably going to do that. Um, so then you're talking about you need both the Pats and the Bengals to not get to ten wins because you know both of them have the tiebreaker. You have to be better than them outright so that's not a complete guarantee to me but if you can get 11 i definitely don't think both of those teams are getting 11 so i think that's the magic number 10 could do i would say that's 50 50 if you get that 
Nine is not doing it though. Yeah. No, not with not with the two tiebreaker losses. But you know, look at those schedules for for the Pats and the Chargers, and there's a lot of losable games up there. And so I think the Jets have had. We looked at it like this: pre buy, insanely tough schedule. But if they can get to the buy, what were we saying? Like if they're four and five at the buy, they have a chance. And they right. went to the buy at six and three. So it's like, and I will say, I know Nooner Nation has a trademark on the on the official coin flip prediction, but we did that coin flip prediction at the bye week, the great value CYJ coin flip prediction. Had them losing to New England and then go on a big I don't think I think they the only game they they lost in our coin flip prediction was was the Bills game and then the Super Bowl. So we'll see if the Mike White right ours ours makes a lot more sense because Nooner Nation was very close to being on to something, but right now just it doesn't make a lot of sense that they would lose to the Bears. I think he's a, hey, a week early. Never say with never. That. Hey, if they if, if they have, lose if to the it, Bears, it's it's completely it's on. If they lose to the Bears, I think the Bills was the biggest test yet for the coin. But uh, this is close. If they lose a home game to the Bears, especially Fields doesn't play. So if that happens, like it, we're going to the AFC Championship. If that happens, <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, but how? If they lose to the Bears, who are they playing next week? Flacco? It's going to happen somehow. You know, yeah, we'll that's not for us maybe, to decide. Maybe it's Strebler. Maybe Strebler is the savior. Oh, man. It's always but, interesting. Uh, quickly, man. you mentioned the strength of schedule, but uh, I just pulled up the remaining strength of schedule, and Bengals are third hardest. Patriots are fourth hardest the rest of the way. So, oh, there we go. Yeah, there, there are definitely some, you know, uh, a lot of chances for them to get some losses. The Jets are ninth. <laughs> so that's oh. worth mentioning. I was but, watching. I was watching some Sports Center today, by the way. Yeah. And I, I don't know her name, but there's some anchor, and she was like, Jets are kind of still in the playoff fund. I was like, What kind of? They're six and four. <laughs> They're tied <laughs> They're the eight spot. What do you mean, kind of? <laughs> you know, right. they, they've got some work to do to change the narrative, especially this seemingly was such a, a lull Jets moment. But the way that, that they handled it today, especially Sala and even Zach, I think he deserves some credit. I think it just shows you that they have the right people in charge, and you have to be kind of the very least optimistic in, in terms of the future. We'll see. Uh, we don't even want to get into quarterback options in terms of 2023. A lot happens of, you know, if, if Mike White starts to play well, starts to ball out, who knows? If the Zach Wilson comes back and he looks like a new quarterback, who knows? So that's a, that's a, it's a topic for, for what, a, a, hopefully a February podcast. Hopefully they have some playoff games to, to talk about on this pod. And then, then we'll talk about some quarterback stuff, but is there anything else we want to, anything else we want to touch on in this, on the subject? I mean, man, it's, it's always interesting. It, it's funny that this has been such a magical season and there's six and four, and this is the best year that we've watched them since we've had the pod and since 2015. And in some ways it's been better than 2015 because it's been young, homegrown drafted guys. So maybe you can go back to 2010 and then here we are benching the number two overall pick <laughs> a, a game after he had one of his best games. I don't know, man. And even weirder is like it almost feels like a good day. Like it's crazy. I mean, it's yeah. not a good day. I don't know why. It's it's feel like not, is but that just our, no, our I mean, defense mechanism? <laughs> no, I, I think to explain like the reason I think that I feel that way is that, you know, yes, no one wanted to be at this point. I don't want to be here. You don't. Nobody does. It, and it's not positive. I mean, the be- their best chance to potentially have been a championship kind of team this year and in the future is if Wilson panned out. And he still could, obviously. But, um, you know, this is not ideal, but I think what makes you feel optimistic is just the way that they handled it because, you know, the, the event happened that Wilson has been disappointing. So now it's up to the team and specifically Robert Sala to react to that in the best way possible. 
And I think he's done just that. So I think that's where the optimism comes from and that, you know, Robert Sala and this team are showing you that they can overcome something even as catastrophic as that. And, you know, we'll see if that happens, you know, pending the results going forward. But just the decision that Salah made and the way he went about it, the way that everyone on the team handled it, the way they spoke about it, and then just the confidence you have that this team could maybe make a run with the defense that they have. And if they could just get some competent quarterback play, um, it, you still feel pretty good going forward. So it's not ideal at all to be here. And it's disappointing. You wish it played out better to this point, but it's still promising the way that everything else around it is transpiring. Yeah, I think perfectly put, Michael. Um, all right. I mean, I guess I guess we, we've we've said it all. I mean, there's not much more to say until Sunday. I think that's that'll be a very interesting podcast. <laughs> It'll either be the the Mike White celebration. We're going to the Super Bowl or what the fuck do we do now? But it's always interesting, man. It's always interesting. All right. Are we done here? Is this do we want to talk anything about the defense or are we just we I just, just want to put some here? more strength of schedule stuff out. So quickly. Oh, hit me. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, like anything said, you got so fire away. We got Bengals. They're the team I'm looking at as a you know potentially losing some games because they are playing six of their final seven games against 500 or better teams. And the only nice. losing team that they're playing is the Browns who are getting Ooh. Deshaun Watson back. So there we they go. have Kansas City, Buffalo, Baltimore, Tennessee, oh, yeah. oh. New England, Tampa Bay, and Cleveland. Oh, hell yeah. Third hardest schedule. Patriots are fourth. They only have two games against losing teams. Who do they, they play? play? They still play Buffalo twice. Oh, yeah. Minnesota tomorrow. There we Miami, go. Miami play Cincinnati. So that's going to be an interesting game. Um, and then they play Vegas and Arizona. Uh, so that's where the Jets have the edge. They have more winnable games. What, what about the Chargers? Uh, Who do they play? Chargers, they are on the easier side. They're 28. Because they have the third place schedule, right? Yeah. They're going to be the Raiders to look made out for. Them. They got the Titans in Miami, but other than that, they have five losing teams on there. So got to watch out for them. But the Jets do have the tiebreaker over them, I believe, or right now the Chargers uh, have it. Uh, I think the Chargers have well, it right now. But that, well, that we can got three change. NFC games left. So we have three yeah. NFC games left, so they might get the – How many NFC teams do they play? Uh, let's see. They got the Cardinals and the Rams. So it depends on what the conference record is. They got two. Uh right now so i uh, gotta look out for the chargers but you know the jets then the compared to cincinnati and new england it's the the winnable games it's a difference i mean they've yeah. three games against three wins or less teams which is the same as new england and cincinnati or more than cincinnati and new england combined so that's where the jets are going to make their money down the stretch here they gotta sweep those three home games have to yeah absolutely and it all starts sunday big game the black uniforms are back. I guess the the white on black um, is over. I mean, do do you think they uh, do you think they go green yeah. for the for the Lions game finally? Th- this is officially the uniform part of the, the podcast, so you can you can tune out now. They, yeah, they, they, I, I think they're gonna do it. I think losing in white on black kind of ended. I don't think that was planned. I think it just kind of became a meme of sorts. Well, they'll they'll wear it again on the road. They and rolled, stuff, the but you know, at home, at home, bring yeah. out the green for the Lions game. I think green and white is. Coming out for the Lions game, that'll be a good color matchup against the Lions. I think yeah, there we go. Good. Lions have some great uniforms, man. All right, great colors, great colors. Yes. Yeah. All right, you can follow us at DYJ Pod on Twitter, Michael Michael underscore Nania, myself Ben W Blessing. No one's listening to this. I just talked about the Lions yeah. colors. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they missed all the plugs. They're not going to know where to find us, Michael. Uh, go to JetsXFactor.com for the best place to go for Jets content. Subscribe to the Jets X Factor YouTube. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Set the pot a lot. I think that's it. Michael, last thoughts? Top five color schemes in the league. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right, something on the quarterbacks. Uh, Parting wisdom. I will say, I thought, I thought Damian Woody had a, a, an interesting thread and a smart thread about when he got benched in Detroit for a few games and then it led him to, to switching positions and that's what led him to signing with the Jets and basically saying, like, if getting benched breaks you as a player, you probably weren't going to be anything to begin with. And I think the way Zach spoke, Today, I'm sure it was a lot of PR training, so who knows how he actually feels, but it was a good step, a good sign and a good step in the right direction in terms of him bouncing back from this. But we'll see. I mean, right now the focus is on Mike White. So we, we can cool it with the Zach talk for a little bit here. Now we're now we're all aboard the Mike White train. I'm I'm ready for the Mike White Super Bowl run. He, he's spunky, you know. Yeah. I think he's, <laughs> he's got fun. he's got he's funny. I like his celebration. It seems like the team likes him. We'll see. Also, I just like saying Mike White. Like my wife, I just like the Mike White chants. They're just, they're just fun. Mike White, Mike White, Mike White. Yeah, he just has like a random Madden franchise simmed (laughs) twenty years from now name, which is hilarious. But we'll see. He's got some personality. Somehow, do do you think they? Do you think they bring back? Do you think they bring out some of the trick plays that Lafleur ran against uh, Cincinnati? Well, it's a shame they got rid of McDermott now because now you wish. Oh my God, we almost ended without talking about McDermott. The celebration pod. This is basically a CYJ victory pod. Watch him go to New England and be their starting tackle for the next decade, and we just have to eat crow on that one. I think. I think surprising they didn't. They didn't. Yeah, it's pretty surprising they didn't claim him before the Pats. Yeah. No, I think what happened is definitely Belichick hired him as like a sort of saboteur for the Jets. Yeah. Like he just paid him to to ruin the Jets for a few years. And then he was done with his <laughs> tenure. His contract in that role was up. So they, uh, now he's going to live up back. to all his potential. Now, he, now he's just collecting his earnings and he's going to show his real talent as the Patriots tackle. Of the oh my future. God. I can't even imagine. I really hope we get McDermott starting in a game. Just, we could, just so we get to watch Bryce Huff. Well, it'll be next year. Uh, maybe I want to see McDermott around. Oh, that's true. Hopefully we get another shot at the Pats. But that would be great. That would be the most poetic thing. Yeah, because it, it'll suck to not. <laughs> I mean, this is if they go to the playoffs, the season will be great regardless. But oh, those two losses are going to kill me. I can't that punt return, man. I went back and watched it. It's just pain. I didn't even really register it when I like because uh, I like I said, I I turned off the TV already, so I didn't even watch it live. I just can't even imagine. <laughs> Your reaction wasn't you didn't even re- you record yourself. You, react, you were just silent. What did you say again yeah. during it? You said, no, I, I was just like, guys, you know, like, what are we doing? Guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, guys. Uh, I was just silent. And then I was like, oh, they deserve to lose. It's kind of funny how similar that was to the uh, the Giants-Eagles Meadowland miracle or whatever. Just punted out of bounds against your divisional rival. Nope. I don't know why Tyler the Conklin was out there. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Because he is not Because your bow is hurt. Because your yeah, bow is I mean, hurt. Yeah, you're right, and I th- I think that's exactly why because is he, was Rucker out not there? Played, he was out there. He wasn't really involved in the play though. But um, Conklin has not played punt much this year. But then he started in the Bills game because I think Yaboa left in that one, um, and then he played in this game and he was one of the front line guys on that return. So 
Should I mean should have been called back, but whatever. Whatever. I don't really if care they about called the punt it, return. <laughs> yeah, honestly, they, they felt like they yeah. deserved to lose it. But we'll see. All right, we'll turn in the new new page. Mike White time, baby. Mike White. I'm excited. All right, I guess we'll be back on uh, Sunday night or Monday talking about the the Mike White victory pod after That's he right. throws for 400 yards and four TDs. All right, Miguel let's get Blanco, out of here. baby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. I think I'm going to go. I, I, don't, I was contemplating going, but now I feel like I have to be there for, for Mike White's season debut so I can be a part of the Mike White chance. If they, if they if they if he really gets cooking and those chants are just loud and you can hear him from the TV, it's going to be pretty magical. So I'm excited. It's going to be fun. I think this is going to be a fun Sunday. I'm excited. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a great week. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Go Jets.